Hello and live long and prosper, friends. Welcome to the world's only completely impartial centre ground Star Trek podcast. We don't talk about the ironic storms. First things first, this podcast is a fact based podcast and the facts don't care about your phaser settings. We're going to be covering all the difficult questions. Should we charge for the use of replicators? How much are tuition fees at Starfleet Academy? And is the Kobayashi Maru test misogynistic? Hi there, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, a podcast that to the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, I'm here with you. Hello. And we're here to talk about this week's news and politics generally. What episode are we on? Yeah, this is episode 31. No, it wasn't. Last week was episode uh, Sorry, episode 32. You're a fake. There we go. A week behind. I knew you'd fuck up. Oh, it's my shower. Yeah, it's raining inside. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> Um... Yeah, so we're off the uh, off the conferences, back into normal parliamentary business. Which oh, is just crap. And we're into cultural kind of warfare season. Yep, it's um, been some proper weird stuff happening. Yeah, and so every, everybody can focus off the, the boring stuff around uh, parliamentary procedure <laughs> and what happens with Theresa May if she can't get the right votes. And focus whatever. on the most important thing, which is Szechuan sauce oh. and the acquisition of Szechuan sauce, <laughs> which seems to have taken the bravest and brightest of our generation because as they keep on saying Rick and Morty fans are the smartest people in the room because you have to be really smart to get their highbrow references to nihilism generally yes, yes to um, it's like all the references to an introduction to Nietzsche book <laughs> well it's all the stuff that South Park people went through like yeah. when South Park first came on and mm. there was this kind of discussion around the wave of nihilism or fucking Beavis and Butthead even mm. like Kids, kids are really getting to be Beavis and Butthead and they don't believe in anything. They're all listening to this grunge music. And the thing is, it's not even 15-year-olds because I don't think... I think probably a few 15-year-olds are into Rick and Morty, but it's mostly like 20-somethings, late 20-somethings. Yeah, but some of those videos online look genuinely horrifying. God. Just these horrible, horrible people screaming about their cartoons. These all. late capitalist casualties. Yeah. Really, because yeah. that's like kind of yeah. what it is. As a, like, I feel there was that one that we kept sharing um, uh, yesterday and today. The one with the kid who screams, um, "I want my Szechuan sauce!" and oh, has he a jumps up on the I side. think it's probably a prank or a mock thing. Yeah, but, but also it could have been like a proper person with autism having having that kind of freak. That's what I feel like. That's what he was going for. He's either an artist or an autist. <laughs> like, yeah, it's with some. Um, it's so fucking weird. It's like, it's a really bizarre thing because it is that thing of the general message of Rick and Morty is a kind of nihilism. Yeah. Um, but they all care so much about ketchup mixed with hot sauce. Because the cartoon man told them to. Yeah. And that's the that's why it's so high pressurised. It's literally because the cartoon man told them to. And then they abused a bunch of minimum wage workers. <laughs> yeah. Is this how the franchise war starts? You know the franchise wars in um, Demolition Man? Yes. Where eventually uh, the outcome of their franchise wars is that Taco Bell is the only restaurant that they're serving like fine cuisine. Taco Bell's pretty great. I've never had Taco Bell in my life. I have. They used to have a Taco Bell um, a service station just as you get into Wales. It was it was the t- one of the two, because mm. there was one at Lakeside. There's, in, one, in, uh, there's still one here now. There's one um, over Essex Way. Oh, is there? Oh, maybe that's the one that lasted then, because they yeah. kind of tested it and then... Mm, pulled like, out like they tested with Wendy's that's kind of true mm. um, but yeah there was that little bit just as after you get over the bridge into Wales mm. where they had a Wendy's and a Taco Bell where like all the great food choice foods are like <laughs> tested on the British public testing them on the Welsh by the side of the road <laughs> in, the, yeah. in Wales in the same way that who did they test the um, organ donation scheme on <laughs> testing on the Welsh after you know a diet of <laughs> fried foods creating foie gras livers <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't I don't quite get why people are so disappointed. I can understand like there's a definite like the Comic Con and nerd thing generally has a kind of central mass of enthusiasm mm. around it. It's why everyone gets all excited about cosplaying, they base their like their calendars around different events and all mm. that kind of thing. I can kind of understand that, but the sheer critical mass that's built up behind it, this it's is not a cult baffling. Anymore. It's not a cult hit none of no, these things are no community um, was a kind of a cult hit yeah but Rick and Morty is not Rick and Morty is just massive and like the people oh, yeah. it, it is infuriating the people online who are just like talking about how smart they are because mm. of how they got the 
jokes and it's like yeah. none of them are that hard no They're really not the best joke in Rick and Morty was the one about where he's talking about when he gets really drunk and starts talking about Israel Palestine <laughs> dead was <arms> pretty great <laughs> Yeah, because the show is still good. If anything, I'm out lobbying for the survivalism of Israel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's 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 really weird. I just all these spoiled brats essentially. What the it comes thing is, to. I don't think that many of them are spoiled. I just think that there's this there's one. Nothing else that they there's care this about. Th- like it's a it's a packet of sauce. It's not a house because everyone's resigned to the fact that they're not going to get a fucking house or a, or thought, a job that they trained for. But they thought they could get a poster and a. But the one thing you can get is the consumer bauble, and that's the thing that they didn't get. And it's like you can't even give us that. Maybe you can so. you can do nothing else. It's a weird because it's like an it's as well it's an anti commodity now. Maybe the fir- world's first anti commodity. <laughs> the fact that you're morally obliged to create it, but you're also morally obliged to destroy it. <laughs> like all those tales about McDonald's um, workers getting them in, and it's like oh suddenly. They got 20 packets sachets for sourcing and suddenly a load of them are on eBay. It's yeah. like, yeah, well done. You are morally obligated to do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I worked at McDonald's and I got a yeah. crate with a couple of thousand of them in, mm. I would have nicked that shit <laughs> in a heartbeat. And I mean, in many ways it um, highlights the schisms of the left because the communists would have sold it on eBay and raised <laughs> funds for the Vanguard Party. The anarchists would have just poured it down the drain. <laughs> there was, um, I did see, there was a nice guy who got one who won one of the big bottles of it mm. um, and he went to his local McDonald's and just shared it all out which is quite sweet Part but I did problem. see someone who did get a sachet and was charging people ten, $10 a chicken nugget dunked in it mm. <laughs> America is a land of contrasts he's a striver <laughs> <laughs> the bloke who was handing out the free sauce did have a curled up moustache though <laughs> a genius who understands Nietzsche <laughs> probably a syphilis as well yeah um, what else is uh, oh in more kind of consumer product news um, this was a couple of days ago Dove uh, withdrew one of their adverts because it showed a, a black woman um, on a poster taking off her top to like reveal her hmm. well moisturised skin and it's a white woman underneath well that that's just true, isn't it? I, I, from all these old uh, racist soap adverts I've seen for years. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the white man's burden. The first um, time, it, I mean, it was used in Rudyard Kipling, yeah. but the first time it was used, it was a slogan for Pear's Soap, and you've got this like old viceroy character mm. like washing the the dirt of the day <laughs> off of him, his day of educating the savage. Mm. Like it, it has such a history, and while. I don't think that maybe the employees of Unilever necessarily have to have a <laughs> decent schooling in empire propaganda, but it couldn't hurt. It's enough one of those <laughs> things where I bet, it, bet you it happened because the people who made the decision, the little the board yeah. who made the decision at Dove, yeah, doesn't have a single person on there who isn't whiter than white. Because uh, as well, the white woman then takes off her jumper, and there's an Asian woman underneath. I think it was meant to be meant to be for the Chinese market. So it's oh like you God. end on you have all the like um, range of people who use it, but then you have your target audience at the end. Like they're the one represented by the person who like smiles while the logo appears. You I imagine like, it was you know like, like that. they do adverts for things that um, are sold all over Europe, mm. and they're really obviously dubbed, mm. so they could be in every single country. Is it like that? But it's like on a loop. So for when the dove that's being sold in Africa, it's an Asian woman taking off her shirt and is like, yay, now I'm... Something to aspire to. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird and stupid. It's because it was about two weeks ago, was it, that Matt Lucas did his apology and said he wouldn't do blackface anymore? (laughs) Truly the bigger man. Yeah, he said he wouldn't do blackface or the trans jokes anymore. Um, He could never do that anymore. Um, Unveiled, I think, unveiled I think, his tattoo saying, on the right side of history, finally, since 2005. Well, the thing is, it's like you did that, um, was it the one in the airport? Oh, Come Fly Away. Yeah, which was, that was like in 2007? Yeah, it was super fucking racist. Yeah, and I think, yeah. um, but the thing is, what I was going to say was, I bet you everyone on the development team for that, all super white. Because... Yeah, but the, yeah, but you feel like with the TV product, they knew that they were kind of pushing... pushing. Like they were pushing, and oh, there was—I so bet somebody said the word transgressive in oh, that so in that writer's room. Oh, such a genius having a point. lazy, fat Jamaican woman who, who steals, ex- yeah, who steals and things, constantly finding excuses to get out of work. Yeah, Ugh. 
and who is super religious and talks with a funny accent and oh, like funny pigeon English. Off. It's like uh, give it enough. Has he got a book coming out? Mm. He's got a book coming out. He's got his autobiography coming there out. There we think. go. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Um, what's the other thing? Oh yeah, the um, uh, the, the thing that. If you just paid attention to the first five minutes of news coverage, it was a terror attack in the middle of London. <laughs> According to people like Nigel Farage, who was on Fox News making out that it was terrorism within <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Um, and Katie Hopkins was saying He's like, got a bright red telephone in his house that flashes. <laughs> whenever a car accident happens. Whenever there's a car accident involving somebody who's brown. <laughs> well, yeah, there was... Um, a car went up onto the pavement around the... Yeah, it was around the Natural History Museum, wasn't it? 11 people injured, nobody... Killed, yeah, then which they, is good. Um, locals, well, people who were there dragged the driver out, sat him, yeah. <laughs> sits and arrested him. But naturally, was, everybody thought at first it was a terrorist incident, but, um, it, but it wasn't. He was an Uber driver and with a fare in the back. I didn't find that out until you told me just now, yeah. because immediately all the news stuff kind of just turned off. Yeah, because as soon as it turned out that it wasn't to do with Islam, then oh, there's no point. There's there's nothing at all interesting about this. It's like when you look at. Um, say say we go with how many drivers that Uber think there are in London. Yeah. Was it 40,000? Uh, that's what they said in yeah. their statement. So say so there's 40,000 drivers overworked to the point where they accidentally go up onto pavements. Yeah. And so there's these 40,000 missiles now just cruising around town. <laughs> that's not a news story. Now the idea <laughs> that someone might be a bit angry about the British state... <laughs> Is enough to get 40,000 missiles in the air immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's just fucking disgusting. Um, but yeah, it'll be so. Like last time we talked about Uber, I was like, yeah, they'll definitely be back soon. It'll be interesting to see if this. But I thought this, they'd, I actually thought that they'd make more of a thing. I thought if I was Sadiq Khan or TFL, I'd be properly. You'd use it as another stick to get Uber to well, fall into line. Even I, more. I, I mean, continuing on from the Uber coverage, like a couple of weeks ago, mm. there was a story today about um, Uber coming out and saying that they couldn't possibly pay um, national insurance to their drivers by making their drivers workers because it would cost tens of millions of pounds that they don't have because they're a non-functioning well, yeah, it's company a, it's under a, the rules of capitalism. They should be dead now. It's that recurring thing whenever, like. You hear it on LBC all the time, like businessmen phone up and say, "Like, well, I can't possibly pay more." Yeah. To my work. In which like, case, you're, you're a failure, a, yeah, you're businessman. Not, yeah, you're not. You, your, your idea does not make money. Therefore, by the rules of the game. Yeah. But I mean, that's never what it's about. No, capitalism it's isn't about that kind of equalised game. It's a particularly weighted thing. And I'd like, you know, what I don't have a particular problem with. Um, I don't have a problem with the capitalist process, obviously, but like I don't have a problem with loans propping up a business because that's how that works. But, yeah, to, claim, works. but to claim somehow that it's the, then the most efficient way of organising something, yeah. it's like, no, it's you are you are making this up. Yeah. It is a pure class power thing as opposed to a neutral system. Mm. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it'll be... What's it um, with... Brexit coming up, didn't you send me a thing today about NAFTA? Yeah, I wanted to kind of fold that into the Tory disarray. Okay, we'll talk about that um, in a bit. bit but yeah, um, yeah it would be interesting to see what happens with regards to Uber, because that's coming up at the end. I think they have a month to appeal, and yeah. then they actually have to stop. If they haven't sorted their shit out, they yeah. actually have to stop operating. Yeah, yeah so we'll see what happens there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, um, going on to Tories now. Yeah, I suppose there's not been a lot of kind of specific Tory stuff this week. There is week. one specific Tory thing. Go on. And that's the thing about... Well, it wasn't this week. Was it the end of last... Yeah, it was just, just as we were recording last week. Yeah. Um, the Ted Heath stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That Ted Heath would have been arrested. Yeah. And, well, he would have been questioned under caution. Yeah, there's an inquiry into uh, accusations made against Ted Heath while he was still alive, uh, while he was was in cabinet, while he was leader of the Tory party, not while he was prime minister, weirdly enough. Yeah, I've got um, Um, a list here, because it was like, I think there were 22 things that they investigated. Yeah, they said, had had this inquiry been there, or had the police been at all asked, they would have... Investigated these complaints. Yeah, these, these and out of the twenty-two, the six that would have got him picked up. Yeah, I'm going to read them out now because they didn't did they bollocks on the radio or on the news. Yeah. Okay. So number one, in 1961. Um, oh, actually, no, date reported in 2015. No, reported in 2015. Happened in 1961. Yeah. So Edward, Sir Edward Heath 
allegedly raped and indecently assaulted a male aged 11 years during a paid sexual encounter in a private dwelling. <laughs> and they would have apparently there was enough evidence there that they would have, would have, would have questioned him. Mm-hmm. In 62, Edward Heath, in the company of an unknown adult male, allegedly indecently assaulted a 10-year-old male during a chance encounter in a public place. <laughs> in 64, Sir Edward Heath allegedly indecently assaulted a 15-year-old male during free paid sexual encounters. <laughs> Um, 67, Sir Edward Heath allegedly indecently assaulted a 15-year-old male, not known to him, in private during a chance encounter in a public building. A this, chance encounter? Yeah. And this one I often place come across in Guernsey. 15 year, years old. Oh, God. And then the next one, in 76, this one takes place in Jersey. Sir Edward Heath allegedly indecently assaulted overclothing an adult male during a chance encounter at a public event. Then in Wiltshire in 92, Sir Edward Heath allegedly indecently assaulted an adult male after consent was withdrawn in what had been a paid consensual sexual encounter in a hotel. Hmm. And there was also um, a recording of, I think it was a driver. Yeah. Or it was a civil servant. It was a high-ranking civil servant talking about being phoned to deal with any kind of problem, be they like gambling issues or a problem involving a young boy. <laughs> and it was just like, it was nothing. Yeah. They didn't take it... To, like, because the rumours around him were around for years. Hmm. I mean, he didn't, he didn't marry, which isn't that... Isn't that weird for kind of men of a certain age in Britain? There's definitely a tradition of mm. if they don't marry by a certain age, they don't marry. Yeah. Um, but being an unmarried man in the 70s, 60s and 70s, the rumours kind of swirled. Mm. And yeah, it, there was nothing specific until until this came up. And it's like, oh, oh that just happened. You know, a former Prime Minister, it's like... Yeah, I think that yeah. you're getting into conspiracy theories about you know Tory MPs having rooms, and it's like, well, I mean, it's, that's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. This bit, this is actively he was actively aided and abetted. Yeah, there was um because there's still the stuff. I think it was like Theresa May lost a load of files to do with um, when she was Home Secretary to do with um, investigations into yeah the um, sexual abuse inquiry um kind of off the back of Savile yeah to coin a fucking ugly phrase. <laughs> has gone through like four heads because they naturally appoint law lords and law ladies and of course they're they're all all fucking related yeah most of the time related it's that thing of if ever anyone was anyone doubted the like the horrifyingness of the british class Mm. system it's the fact that you couldn't find a judge to look into any of these cases because they're all friends or they've been married (laughs) it's so insane yeah, um, it's, it's an easy thing to forget, I think, sometimes, because they do go out of their way. It's, you just think, like, oh, Lord, so-and-so. And you yeah. just think, oh, yes, they've been knighted in a New Year's Honours list or made a Lord or something. It's like, oh, no, they are the original aristocracy. Mm. And there's um, the other stuff coming out that um, Margaret Thatcher, um, looks like Margaret Thatcher um, probably helped cover up Cyril Smith stuff. Hmm. I wonder why she, why did she, why Cyril Smith? Because he was liberal, wasn't he? Yeah. The old liberal party. Yeah, they were all... They're they're like they if he were if if everything about him is true, mm. then he was probably doing stuff around Dolphin Square, which means that he would like it would oh, have been it like, would have been it's that thing of there's it's not like you really want to protect him, but you're protecting the the club that's got all the other people. Out. You're protecting the tip of the chain, the tip of the iceberg, or whatever. Yeah, and he did look like an iceberg. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's all it's so horrible. All of it's horrible. And there was a thing I was thinking of um because. I don't know, I was listening on the radio, they were talking about grief mm. and about how children, how the old attitude was that children, it didn't matter really worrying about children being sad when they were like young because yeah, it didn't affect them in the same forget way. Forget it, they don't, yeah. Yeah, the and it's like, part, I was thinking like, is there, was there like an element of that back then with like abusing little boys and abusing little girls that it's not the same because, you know... They'll just sort of get over it. Yeah. Oh, all of it makes me feel so ill. It's one of the. It's the classic kind of peasant myth about the the vampire lord in the castle. It's like all those things about the height, the lord in his castle, and mm. all the kind of sexual things that go on in the castle. It kind of spring. It brings to mind like the vampire myth or the Frankenstein mm. myth or mm. or whatever. And it turns out like quite a lot of the time, it seems to be true. Well, yeah, there was like um. Pretty certain I might be wrong, but the thing about the bloke who built Murpher Castle, I'm sure there was. I'm pretty certain there were stories about him taking young girls. Oh, was that like the King of Copper 
Or well, it was, like, it was an iron foundry. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, he had a shitty king. house built that's yeah. like Murphy Castle. It's just it's just a big house. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the, the rumours that he stole children away. Yeah, it's the classic kind of... Yeah. Yeah, you don't go up to the castle because you'll never be seen again. Mm. 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 Yeah, so that's, you know, the first bit of Tory stuff. Yeah. The rest of the Tory stuff is... Oh, now we talk about... No- <laughs> I was going to say non-horrific Tory stuff, but actually it's still pretty horrific. It's just very, yeah. it's just much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> um, I listened to Theresa May's interview with hard journalist who was going to really get to the nub of all the issues. Mm-hmm. The kind of like a real attack dog of journalism. Someone who as John Harris suggests, power. yeah, speak truth to power and ask the awkward questions. Yeah. So they chose Ian Dale, um, <laughs> former par- Conservative parliamentary candidate. I think he ran about four times and failed each time. The he founder set of Conservative up, Home. He set up Conservative Home as well. Um, yeah. Got into a fight with um, with a homeless man in Brighton. Was it a homeless man in Brighton? Was it someone else? Hey, sorry, I know you got into a fight at Brighton Conference one year. <laughs> He's a dickhead, Ian Dale. Ian Dale is so... He, um, that's another thing he did recently. He did um, the list of the most influential people on the left. He's the one who... He does this list yeah. of all the influential people on the left. And the people on there are fantastic. Mm. Like, you know, proper stalwarts of British left-wing thought like Chucker Amuna and Jess Phillips. <laughs> Nick Clegg. Yeah. <laughs> Theresa May. <laughs> um, well, Thingy's on there for the Green Party. Um the nice one, the good one. Natalie Bennett? No, she's the incompetent one. Oh, she's a hippie. Uh, Caroline Lucas. That's the one, yeah. the nice one who would have been a great member of the Liberal Party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Ian Dale was there asking all the difficult questions like, Theresa May, your campaign has the runaway success of a victory. <laughs> Tell me, why are you so popular? <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't know. She blushes a bit. Not for me to say. <laughs> it was like when I'm... Then she falls over and gets her head stuck in a bucket. <laughs> Runs down a... <laughs> tries to run away from her yet another faux pas and smashes into a tunnel painted on a wall. <laughs> it was like a... Because Fingy interviewed her as well, like last week. Um, um, Nick Ferrari... <laughs> And that was a fawning fucking example of disgusting, <laughs> horrible cooperation between the journalist class and the politician class, yeah. where he's pretty much just touching her face. And like, if you watch the like the video so footage fragile. of it, yeah, you watch the video footage of it, and he's like blushing like a like a milkmaid. He's like, oh, it's so beautiful, this beauty, yeah. so fragile. She's such so a genius. Yeah. It's Margaret Thatcher. Come again, walking among us. It's so great. But yeah, so she was on there and she said, fuck all. She managed to... Whoa, she swore. <laughs> she managed to um, not really do any fuck up. She just sort of opened her mouth, white noise came out, and mm-hmm. then she left. Someone phoned up and said, why are not you left yet? You're horrible. <laughs> and she's like, well, no, I think I'm... I'm I still I'm have good. a job to do and I don't do it. I think it's the right thing to... She, she, she alternates between the old Cameron thing of this is the right thing to do and it's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do. Because then there can... You can't possibly argue. If it's the right thing to do, why are we even bothering to have an election? The response of, I don't think you understand the laws of robotics. I've been assigned my job but I must, commit, I must do my job. Otherwise, my brain circuits will melt. <laughs> Well, that's her thing. She's like, I have a... What was it? What is the line? Fuck, I can't remember what it is. Duty. It's, I have a job... Oh, this is uh, this is what I'm for. This is what I'm in this for. Oh, yeah. That was the one in the speech. Mm. She kept saying, this is what I'm in this for. <laughs> there was a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then she falls off and lands in a tuba. In front of, in the orchestra pit, inside, face up inside a tuba. The orchestra pit, the yeah. Tory conference. Yes. <laughs> falls and it just falls into all the drums. And she just continues giving the speech from inside the tuba, and it's really kind of he's got a blow on it to like get her words out. <laughs> then they got they have like um Boris come on and he takes a big gust of air, puts his mouth on the hole, and then they squeeze Boris and it shoots her out. <laughs> Tory conference was great. Yes, it was. It was way better than Labour conference. It was one of the best vaudevillian slapstick <laughs> yeah. shows I've ever seen. Um, yeah, the blackface acts were a bit much, though. <laughs> yeah, her 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 interview. I only just caught a bit of it um, before I came here. Uh, she said that the International Trade Secretary Liam Fox would be the cabinet colleague she'd most like to keep have have her keep her company on a desert island. Ugh. Which is really weird. I presume it's because he's been uh, geotagged uh, <laughs> by all the arms companies that he works for. Yeah. So they've just geotagged him in case they ever lose him, you know, off a helicopter in the middle of the Atlantic or something. They probably had to put the tags in it when he went to see Duarte. Du- um, 
in case yeah. he was going to disappear. In case Duarte was on a down day. <laughs> Which is every day, it seems. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah. And um, she refused again to, like, give any kind of guarantee to um, EU citizens. And she British keeps citizens. saying... The weird thing is that they... The kind of Blair way of rhetoric, he brought in the the less stilted, supposedly the less stilted style. But yeah. everyone's used it so much over the last 20 years that it has become the stilted style. Hmm. So she says things like, people, uh, your EU citizens in Britain have nothing to worry about. I'm not going to chuck them out of their homes. Yeah, but will you promise that they will have the right of residency? Like I say, I'm not going to chuck them out of their homes. Yeah, but this is quite important. Can you actually like say it in... <laughs> in words that aren't just kind of cheeky asides. <laughs> I think you can trust her on her record of sending gay... Um, Af- I think they were Zim- Gay Nigerians and Zimbabweans yeah, back. Yeah, sending them back. Or having them have the fucking sex tape test, where oh, they God. were forced to produce videotaped uh, taped evidence mm. of them having homosexual-like <laughs> relations, sex... <laughs> With someone, just this image of like like a bunch of senior civil servants watching sex tapes, like in a smoky room, it's like it could yeah. be gayer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're really gaying it up. You're going back. We're using this one to prevent any more Heath rage incidents. <laughs> We're using it to take the edge off the Tory party. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's she's, um, and we, it looks like we are going for hard Brexit. The thing that I was saying that ah, the Tories see, want, the Tories want, no deal, everything done, everything's a massive clusterfuck, and the last thing that the Tories get to have out of the EU is something to complain about forever. Is the last enemy. Yeah. Cause, and then we become, we join NAFTA and Oceania. Yep. And then we're always at war with Eurasia. <laughs> There's, um... That is the only 1984 reference I would ever do. She got a lot of shit this week because I think the she's talking about the European Court of Justice still occupying the same role in British law that it mm. does now. Mm. Rhys Mogg was criticising her for having Brexit, like pursuing Brexit in name only, which yeah. actually, I mean, to be honest, That's given the complication of, of it, it kind of fucking makes sense. I think the hard Brexit thing is a stopgap. Mm. It's the last thing that they get. It's If they come out of this whole debacle with anything... They will come out of it with that ability to point at the EU and say, "You see, they just were so unreasonable." Yeah, yeah. Well, then that's the thing today. The EU saying that there's supposed to be a meeting tomorrow, mm. but the Tories aren't turning up. And Theresa May was saying, "Like I didn't know we had a meeting." And it's like, "You're all children. You're all appalling." Like, no. Yeah, this is three-dimensional chess because <laughs> they won't turn up. And it'll be like the beginning of Battlestar Galactica, where they always turn up, and then one day, Mecha May turns up and just blows them all away. It doesn't even seem like three-dimensional chess. It seems like the EU are negotiating while Theresa May thinks she's playing chess, but she's not. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a horrible mess. She's running around the kitchen like Roger Rabbit. (laughs) And um, what's been happening with the Tories? Because, you know, they they, they won. There There was another kind of example of... Her her style hmm. now that she's so fucked. Hmm. She was asked about the there's two thousand people being laid off at BAE because yeah. nobody's ordering any of our well, no, typhoons we, or any well, of we, the, the Eurofighter. You mean the Eurofighter that was a joint <laughs> a joint <laughs> business venture between us and other countries in Europe? Yeah, it was a shit plane um, anyway. Apparently but. so. Like. But also, it apparently it's a, wasn't that good. But it's also, a shit like, death machine. It's it's always been the thing. It's since the end of the empire. It's the thing that Britain's relied on is the arms industry. It's mm. like you sell the stuff and use your ex-imperial relationships mm. to sell arms to countries that suddenly need it. Who else is going to sell cluster bombs that look like Kinder Enterprises? <laughs> <laughs> she said it's an extremely worrying time for those workers, and says the government will try to help them into alternative employment, <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> I think everybody's so used to that. It's like she didn't even promise it's like everything will be done to try and save those jobs and we will make sure that those people stay out of work. She can't even promise that. She can't even lie and say that. They'll be able to be Uber drivers. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, like, it's like promising um, ice cream to a six-year-old. You know, a six-year-old asks you for ice cream and you say maybe and they're old enough by then to know that means no. Maybe means never. (laughs) I've seen that. I've seen that fight in the sparring wolf from Stowe with the yeah. little posh kids. Mother, mother, mm-hmm. can I have a gelato? 
Maybe. Oh. Yeah, it means no. <laughs> they haven't really done anything. There was, um, they, they've been arguing in... Because they're back in Parliament now, doing yeah. Parliament stuff. I did see Jeremy Corbyn was pretty good. He was pretty, like, shouty mm. in a good way. Yeah. Um, but really, I just can't stand any of it anymore. You don't have to. I think like we don't done. have to. We, like we were kind of blindsided by the election, certainly, mm. and stuff we were going to do for the podcast. And it probably helps us to kind of take a step back from doing it every yeah. week. No, I don't want it because it, it's enough to drive you insane. Yeah, I want to focus on more bigger things. Yeah, more important things. Yeah, like 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 things that actually happen. Yeah, rather than who won in the argument in the shout chamber yeah. this week. <laughs> Which is, you know, always appalling. <laughs> okay, so there was a story in BuzzFeed this week yeah. about Milo. Milo. Now, I'm going to call him Milo. I keep going back and forth on this. I think you pronounce it Milo Yiannopoulos. But I'm going to call it Milo because he's. it's more funny and he's <laughs> more of a cartoon character to me that way. As opposed to being a real person. Yeah, well, he, is, <clears throat> he is a bit of a dick. Yeah. Like a massive dick. Yeah. But he's, he's done now. Like, what a... The rare people to be fully banned for life off Twitter for being that much of a prick. (laughs) A BuzzFeed article this week exposed the extent to which uh, Milo Yiannopoulos was groomed and promoted by Steve Bannon and Breitbart and his back-channel links with white supremacist groups, a lot of pro-Western civilization... They usually have Western civilization in their name or Renaissance Mm. in their name. Yeah. And even his back-channel links with, on the surface, liberal journalists. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the kind of weird, shocking thing. There was one guy who was tipping him off and making jokes about Zoe Quinn yeah. to, um, like, uh, making jokes about, like, oh, what gender is she? Was she born a man? That um, kind of thing. And he was, like, edit one of the writers at Broadly, which is, like, their mm. women's issues mm. bit. And there was a bloke so who, was, um, who was telling Milo to, like, do a load of stuff attacking Lindy West. yeah. And Lindy yeah. West is... She's funny as hell, but she doesn't deserve that. She's horrible for a lot of reasons, mm. but being fat is not one of them. <laughs> she's yeah. horrible for being a self-aggrandizing, attention-seeking monster. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like this this link between the supposed liberal press and Milo, the kind of the fact that the alt-right is essentially a fantasy... Yeah, but it was just it's just they're just Nazis. There was a fascinating. It was all stemmed from a load of emails that had been released to BuzzFeed between uh, then editor of Breitbart Steve Bannon, Milo, who he was definitely kind of grooming to be his front man, as the the one to advance into social media and advance this particular white. It's a weird kind of white nationalism though, because it's not the raving kind of KKK version that you've been no. led by kind of culture to believe that that's what white supremacists well, like are. A, it was kind of like this attempt to like put them in suits, it was, um, and put Alan them in Ar- smart clothes. Um, series two of Sons of Anarchy. It was um, yeah. Alan Arkin. Mm. Was it Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was him as opposed to Henry Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing it was the thing it wasn't that surprising because of like all the stuff when people were taking the piss out of Laurie Penny, yeah, and telling her off, and it, they were all doing it, yeah. Like um, there's that we you mentioned it earlier that um, oh, Financial Times columnist Ganesh, oh um, Jainan Ganesh, yeah, some like of that. I think that's his um, name. he's on uh, the. Daily politics sometimes. I think. Yeah, he he friends with Milo. Yeah, like and you can see it on Twitter. You can see these people exchanging pleasantries and being all friendly with each other. Mm. And Laurie Penny did it for ages, and she talked about these troubled boys and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, well, no, it's because the reason why they liked him is because they all went to the same fucking schools. They all go to the same fucking clubs. It was weird. The level of, I don't even think because the thing is that that she's not. As as much as like I disagree with her and like don't particularly like the like the she hasn't particularly got a thing about her that makes me like her if you understand what yeah. I mean I, I I've never read anything of hers that's been particularly like set me on fire yeah. that hasn't that hasn't been like by the numbers feminism like like fine good yeah. but this was always the thing that kind of like it made me because she's not going to write for Breitbart anytime no. soon she's not going to write for those things I never quite understood the leeway that well, no, it's it, Milo seemed to get. 
Well, no, it, it, it worked for both of them. Mm. She does a puff piece for him and mm. it, um, like amplifies his voice in that section of society. Yeah. And, yeah, that's... that's and it was I mean, I, I don't think it was a puff piece. I just think... I think she wrote honestly about the things that they had in common, which should have given her some pause yes. as to her outlook towards doing these kinds of things. Yeah. I don't actually think it was any attempt to like amplify them, like purposefully amplify them, but she should know that that's what these things do. Hmm. Plus she was friends with him. And it's as simple as that. And she, lo- she got on with him. She got on with him right and up gave him point. And gave him a, a, an amount of leeway that was mostly due to the fact that they are from the same class. Yeah, until... It came out that he's a big old pedo. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be the fit that she wouldn't cross, which mm. puts her in the same bracket as the BMP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um there was a there's the usual kind of suspects, um the way that they discussed uh news stories and how far they could go, what yeah. guests they would have on, they were trying to get Weave on, who oh, if you God, don't know Weave is so good is a neo Nazi. He was oh, was he one of the founders of 4chan? He was, I, I don't know if it was I think he was like one he was of the early, early the very, very like early 4chan anonymous. anonymous people. He and went to he, he went to prison and became a neo-Nazi. Or was to, a neo-Nazi and went to prison. He went to prison and came back out of prison with a big old swastika on his chest. And he's such a little guy. <laughs> there's some I, I there's something quite adorable about people getting big old swastikas on their chest. Because in general the kind of the kind of internet y right wingers who do that. Yeah. It's like, oh you're gonna regret that so fucking soon, mate. Yeah. You're really gonna regret that. If there was ever an invitation for a complete stranger to come up and batter you on a train, mm. that's it. Something. There's very few tattoos you can get. <laughs> you tattoos. could probably get away with an SS. Let's face it, if it's on your shoulder and yeah. covered most of the time, you'll probably get away with that. <laughs> I've seen um I've seen um what's it the Nordic Cross? The Nordic League one, the one with the like it's like a line with the N and the little crown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen that one around. Hmm. But the thing is, it's such a small one yeah. that by the time you've properly worked out what it is, they're back into the crowd, so you can't like go, Oi! <laughs> Um, See a lot of Thor's hammers, and that's always a kind of. Yeah, oh, do you really like Viking culture, or yeah. do you like Viking culture a bit too much? It's the guy, the, the guy who runs the Viking shop in Walthamstow, yeah, just staring at him. It's like that's a lot of a lot of cloaks, and that's a big old Thor's hammer on your chest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> How do you feel about the Semitic religions? <laughs> <laughs> they call it that. That's what they call Christianity. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, they, they say that. Well, oh, cause no, because like, because if they're pagans, they think mm. that Christianity is mm. um, a Semitic mm. uh, invading like force from the desert or something. <laughs> want to send all the desert people back, which means people who've been Christians for a thousand years. Where are the far right have to ruin all those Greek Nordic myths? Mm-hmm. All about drinking and headbutting. Yeah, You'd ruin it. <laughs> God damn it! But yeah, so um, a lot of people working with him. Yeah. To just. And it, it's. What's the point? Because, um. Who is it who did. It's John Harris this week with his article about how you need to. Journalism needs to be less. It's less less advocacy and more yeah. analysis. Yeah. Given need, the fact that he's literally a Guardian columnist. Who used to work for Melody Maker. Yeah. Like the hard. Like. Like this kind of hard bitten journalist just trying to get to the heart of the issue, speaking truth to power at Melody Maker. <laughs> um, oh, and he was also on um, Ed Miliband's long-term strategy group set up by uh, Lord Glasman, founder of Blue Labour. Fucking hell. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, when they... they like the, the class of journalists that are saying this kind of thing, and I saw all of them commenting on his article saying how brilliant it was, and it was yeah. bullshit, uh, because one of the people that he said was really sensible and normal and mm. wasn't at all... Um, like didn't have a political allegiance mm. was um, Thingy Ganesh, mm. and well, no, Daniel Ganesh is he's the Financial Times writer, isn't he? Yeah, he he is a firm like he's he's very right wing. He's a Tory capitalist yeah. in the fullest sense of the word, except he doesn't speak at any of those. Well, maybe he does speak at those events. I don't Probably really does. follow him, but no. he's always he's always following that line. Yeah, and it's um, it just it shows how I don't really. I don't think they believe most of what they say. What, the alt-right? Um, well, no, liberal journalists. Okay. Like like um, John Harris. I don't think he believes... I don't think 
he seriously thought about any word that he wrote in that article. He just um, saw something that he didn't like and tried to restrict it back. Yeah, because he doesn't like things like Navarro Media. He doesn't well, like the, Gavin Jones. That's the thing that, like, with with people like John Harris and like I wanted, to, I didn't like I was going to do the whole John Harris article, but it was something that stuff that we've said so many times before. Yeah. I don't want to like repeat ourselves, but the fact is that the reason why he's doesn't recognise what journalism is now. And he, he he kind of singles out Navarra and the Canary and Squawk Box. Mm. And those kind of... They're really like... They go off... The, they fly off the handle pretty quick because mm. that's their that's the model now. And I can understand yeah. like being a bit frustrated with that if you have journalistic intent of just having an, a serious analysis. But if you have that, write for a fucking um, think tank, write for a, a, a periodical or something like yeah. that. Like dumb yourself up. <laughs> like, <laughs> the only reason I was bringing it up was because specifically one of the people that he cites as being a great journalist was outed in the BuzzFeed article for working with Milo to yeah. just oh they're just the worst people. The the med- they don't recognise the media landscape as it is. They mm. try and restrict it to a specific number of a specific number of choices and voices. That are considered sensible. They structure yeah. all of their um, inquiry when they where he talks about John Harris talks about asking the awkward questions. Mm. So to him, asking awkward questions is saying, well, how are you, like asking Jeremy Corbyn, well, how are you going to pay for it? Now that yeah. presupposes an ideological thing whereby public accounts must be balanced. He has an ideological position. Mm. He's just absorbed it so thoroughly that it's disappeared. I can't mm. remember what uh, French philosopher talks about it, but. Bartes or uh, something like that but their whole purpose of ideology is to become invisible yeah which is exactly what he's protesting against the fact that ideology has started to resurface again yeah. as people think about different ways to live yeah and the thing is all 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 this time I mean the alt-right has it's kind of running out of steam it still has obviously the um ability to get people on violent people on the streets protesting intimidating people um, not even that many. Not that many. Now More that's the th- that's America. the thing about the alt right. I we, I actually prepared um, some stuff about the alt right in like our episode two hmm. when the alt right was kind of it was before Milo kind of hmm. fell from grace. <laughs> I was actually preparing stuff for it, and something that I wrote at the time. Let me just find it here. Like the the real revelation of these emails is the extent to which it is an elite. Operation. Yeah. This was a. This was not an. A, a, this was not an attempt to flood the streets or actually change people's minds. No. It was an attempt to change the hegemony of corporate media, and it had a load of corporate media behind it. It was just um, and involved with it. Tea Party two point Yeah, yeah. Because the whole Tea Party was astroturfed. As yeah, well. that was all. Make-believe. But it's a, but that attempt is the attempt to bring people up and, and yeah. redefine what common sense is, yeah. so that the discussions you have with people you know, yeah. who don't really have. Like time or inclination, they're not that interested mm. in analysing things. They're not that interested... No, it's not that they're not interested in understanding it. They're not interested in going by analysis per se. They're interested in the last thing that they heard that makes sense to them. Yeah. Like, and that's their right. Like, you yeah. know, like I say, people are busy. But it's also the kind of... The, the way the alt-right were organised only ever appealed to people in isolation. Hmm. The reason why you call the alt-right bedroom warriors is because they are communing with that news and they're not telling anyone else. They're yeah. not getting together with people. Yeah. The people who shitpost on the internet can only do it on their own. There's yeah. no way that medium allows for you to group together with other people no. um, and go after it. Hmm. So you're not talking about putting masses on the streets. No. And it's just the extent to which this was an attempt to kind of re-engineer the environment for people online. It seemed like a kind of futile thing, really, because social media is so massive and there's so many ways you can interact with it that this attempt to kind of drive uh, like leftists and like women whole... and people of colour off social media and this kind of a more drive... strident like advocacy for their particular causes. I don't think they wanted to drive them off it. I think they just wanted to get... A certain amount of following online mm. to justify speaking to us, yeah, and places on the news, yeah, sure. Because before that, they would have been hard pushed to say like, and now to for the opinion on what just happened with this car accident in um at the Natural History Museum. We go to Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, if he didn't have an online following, people would have gone, "What the fuck?" Yeah, why? Yeah, 
And the thing is, the the way it intersects with the John Harris thing is that people are more than the the media seems to have been more than happy to allow, like Tommy Robinson chasing the next terrorist thing. Yeah, he He's was got down a there. fucking yeah. He was immediately there, and I don't think he actually did anything once he realised it wasn't a terrorist incident. No, he just wandered off because he's there to frame the narrative immediately on the internet in in the way that he wants it. Hmm. And the thing is that now that you've got like the hard left mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking speaking heads available hmm. who don't get those who who are well, they're starting to get a, a few kind of. Uh, more mainstream gigs. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Ash Sarkar on. But TV. the ki- the the kickback from people who you would have thought like they the people who like Helen Lewis who place themselves on the left. Yeah, who you would have expected to go? Yeah, we should have that person in talk from this side. Have another person in talk from that side. They can't see it in terms of in any other terms other than mirror images. So if you have someone like say Ash Sarkar hmm. on one side. Therefore, you have to have Milo on the other. Yeah. You know? And I think, like, coming back to Laurie Penny, I think maybe that's what she was she was gunning for. She had some kind of idea, messed up as it was, to have, well, you know, balance, journalistic integrity. I should go and talk to the people I don't usually talk to. Is, which I for her was... I don't was, trust her as well because I don't... No, no. The thing is, like, I think, I don't know if we said it in, like, an early episode... Like, we both know for a fact that she doesn't always tell the complete truth. Like yeah. that, um, at the anti-EDR march, where we were literally watching her tweet about how scary it was getting, and so she had to leave. Yeah. And we were, like, standing there with my daughter, yeah. <laughs> holding hands with my kid, looking around, like, okay. Nothing happened, because they bust them in. Yeah. Well, yeah they, they, like, escorted them to speak to wherever they were speaking. Yeah. Like, but, you know, so it's like, things like that, it's like, well, no, I don't, I don't trust that she always acts in good faith no no sure and yeah there's some of those sycophantic fucking tweets to Milo just make your skin crawl <laughs> yeah there was a lot of uh, naturally a lot of kind of tech support they tried to get Milo in a room with Peter Thiel and that didn't quite come across we both have a craving for young blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> one literally one metaphorically <laughs> yeah <laughs> And they talked about getting him on with uh, like members of, I think it was uh, Western Renaissance, who are a white supremacist group, and like how far they would go. They linked up with like an, like an adorable Renaissance fair. But. They linked up with um, Kurt, one of the people who was kind of an intermediary early on between Bannon and Milo hmm. was Bencher's Moldbug. One of the intellectual, in, I use that in massive, the biggest <laughs> quote marks you could possibly yeah. imagine. The intellectual forebearer of the alt-right who he kind of started that like neo what was it what's it called um dark enlightenment oh god uh him and nick land who's an old uh oh god some of that an old an old lefty intellectual how do you just not fold up on yourselves with like embarrassment with these names the best thing is like he's obviously read some stuff yeah but when it it all boils down to why don't we have the catholic church (laughs) or something like the catholic church back telling us what to do (laughs) <laughs> and structured exactly like the Catholic Church. That's what it is to be a Westerner. I was I sent you this the other day, didn't I? There was a conservative manifesto about um a Europe manifesto. I sent you it the other day, didn't I? I don't think you did. Yeah, no. I, I definitely did. But it's called I think it's called like the True Europe Manifesto. Hmm. And there's a load of stuff in it talking about how Europe is the home of Christianity and naturally everybody, all Europeans feel a natural affinity with each other. We are a community of nation states and yet we all club together and we all feel exactly the same way. And it's like, have you read any fucking European history ever? Yeah. Who's the people who Europeans hate the most? It's their next door neighbour yeah. throughout fucking history. Also, we'd like saying like the home of Christianity and all that stuff. Yeah. I found a really great picture today. It was like a Catholic... Um, drawing of the devil playing bagpipes, and the bagpipes were Martin Luther's head, mm. and um, the devil is playing Martin Luther <laughs> to like seduce away good Christians because he's wrong Christian. <laughs> so yeah, don't tell me about how Christians all of each other, <laughs> especially in this fucking continent. This continent is a continent of blood. When you have ah, oh, look at this massive achievement. We've gone fifty years <laughs> without a genocidal war. Yay us. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love that part of the alt right. It's just so fucking fascinating because mm. you've got the the white the classic white supremacists who actually now seem to have wrestled the momentum yeah. of whatever that counter 
like the counter-revolutionary, counter-culture thing mm. is. Mm. And they're just straight white supremacists. Mm. They are like angry young men who don't feel they've got enough out of life, mm. whatever. My favourite ones are the ones who lost, who are the kind of, they are the kind of bedroom people, the ones who sit and talk about like the, the glories of ancient Rome and of ancient Greece and of how it's much more civilised to have, like it's just civilised and natural to have kings. <laughs> Like David Starkey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. I wonder where these people came from. David Starkey still has a fucking job. Yeah. Still, he's got a new fucking series out. After the things that man has said. Seriously. Yeah. He's got a new series on um probably, probably the History Channel or something like that. Yeah. But it, it, you wonder where these voices came from. It's yeah, like you allowed you allowed them all yeah. the time. Yeah. You didn't allow a single left wing voice. No. Your, your idea of balance is something that doesn't particularly threaten you and you can have one wing of it that's slightly transgressive and provocative. Is there a left-wing, is there a left-wing historian who has a TV programme in this country? Hmm. Let me think. Oh, I mean, the, weirdly enough, the closest thing you get is someone like Tony Robinson. Tony yeah. Robinson had a load of things that focused on people hmm. and movements because, I mean, it's difficult to make a... Uh, a program out of that. There, there probably have been. I think there was a there was a people's history thing a couple of years ago. Yeah. People his, people's history of something. Yeah. But even that, like, I mean, that's history on TV generally is has been folded in with geography, mm. with like all those coast things and travel programs because that's yeah. essentially what they are. Yeah. They're travel programs where you send someone, you send a white man with. Um, uh, what's the what's the word for those trousers? Um, khakis. Yeah. <laughs> Khaki trousers and a blue, maybe denim shirt, but probably not denim. Made to yeah. look like denim, so he looks like a kind of rough, kind of Michael a Palin, halfway between Indiana Jones and Michael Palin. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a hat. Yeah. He must always have a hat, and he's kneeling next to some ruins, and he's going to sit here and tell you <laughs> a very, very basic story about you know <laughs> where these ruins came from. Where did Troy? Where did where was Troy actually? Like, yeah, it's not at all surprising, really. Like go back to, to like the Milo thing. Mm. When you think actually, if you think about it, like the two most prominent historians in this country are probably David Starkey and Niall Ferguson. Yeah, certainly the ones who get the most airtime. Yeah, Mary Beard might be an exception, um, but she. She doesn't she's tend to classic, get the popular so programs so, as much, I don't think. Plus, she's, yeah, she's classic, so mm. it's like it's a lot of people just switch off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a similar there's a similar kind of thing, but it, there's a similar kind of discipline to the way she presents. Yeah. But they're historians basing on written records, whereas if she's classics, she's got to have like at least half a half a foot in the archaeology camp, yeah. which I can't fucking stand. Archaeological programs. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's like. 45 minutes on, you know, where was Atlantis real? And it's like 40 out of those 45 minutes will be talking about, well, this is the science we use to date this particular piece of stone. And it's like, <laughs> like that's very interesting to somebody. It's not interesting to me. And in conclusion, no Atlantis. Was yeah, real. no, it wasn't Atlantis. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. was Crete or it was, you know, the Scilly Islands. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had the usual um, array of like conservative think tanks they would give him stuff because again it's not like they haven't been putting out this kind of culture war race war stuff yeah. themselves in a socially acceptable form and as if it hasn't been lapped up for for and, decades and then you just and he was like he's a pretty he was a pretty perfect tool for them because Bannon is not an attractive man no he's not a charismatic man he, he doesn't is a he doesn't present himself. angry man and also, like, yeah, there is that thing about TV where if he he probably is a slightly more not rigorous. What's the word? He's probably a slightly more interesting person to talk to than Milo. Yeah. But you immediately dismiss his ideas because he's wearing two shirts. Because he's wearing two shirts. Because <laughs> he's sweated through the first. Because he's a massive fucking alcoholic, allegedly. <laughs> but. Um... You know, so you'd have like Milo, like leaning back and like so he looks stretched out on a chair, mm. being kind of like putting off the air of cool. And because the, all these journalists and all yeah. these TV people are really not cool, they yeah. think he's cool because he's younger. Yeah, and he's wearing these weird clothes, and also kind of standing on the bodies of the good and honest gay men and women who came before him <laughs> to yeah. use his homosexuality as a shield against criticism. Yeah. 
And then he'll just say literally the, standing on their fucking bodies. And, and Liberace and yeah. Oh, I don't want to say Liberace's good. <laughs> Liberace's fucking amazing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then um, and George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> we, I don't know. But then just saying um, the same old people. the same old stuff that. Yeah, that any of these conservative think tanks have been saying for years, but people weren't really paying attention, and young people weren't going to pay attention to them. He was never in a. He was never in a cross. He was never in a like he. He privileged the idea of debate in a it, solely in forums where he was the only person talking. Yeah, and it's not just because he wasn't like that. People no platformed him. No, he purposefully talked about oh free speech, free speech, debate, debate, and never did I see that man properly debate because if you debated him you'd realise his ideas are about the same as an 80 year old colonel from the home counties yeah it's fuck Muslims fuck gay people fuck fuck other gay people yeah fuck women generally yeah there's no problem like there's no problem here but the problems that oppressed minorities make for themselves yeah like that was his thing mm. and it's like you're 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 just you're Jeremy. Cl- if he had, yeah, if he had just if he had just carried on, he would have just become Jeremy Clarkson, mm. which is probably the most dangerous thing of all because that man is accepted into every every place and is still now. But you could see the way that they would edge along what was acceptable. So mm. they would make the joke about like they would they would have a mention of shekels mm. in. Um, an article, yeah, but they wouldn't okay any kind of like uh, oven, any oven oven humor. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know what you mean. The Holocaust jokes and things yeah. like that. And like he wouldn't. They edged it to... so closely, but they had people. He had people on that would. Yeah, and he wouldn't have tacky. Would he? Yeah, he wouldn't have um, tacky. Let's call him Tacky Mianopolis <laughs> because he does have a Greek name, but I cannot remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, because he thought that he was too far right. Mm. Um, not too far right for the Spectator. No, he Tacky <laughs> was the uh, he was like the gossip columnist for the Spectator for fucking about eighty five years. Yeah, got fired because he would just talk about um, <laughs> he would talk about the Jews. Yes, just openly. Yeah, um, and how much he didn't like doing business with them or whatever, and founded his own. A uh, thing called Takimag, which is still like one of the most infuriating. It's got fucking uh, what's his name, Jim, Jim Doan, something like that, something like that. Uh, and uh, Gavin McInnes. Mm. So mm. he got all of those kind of like the hipster alt right ones, the ones of a certain age. Gavin McInnes is so annoying. Jim Goad, that's it. Oh. Jim Goad, a big argument about him. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of um, early, like Generation X, kind of punky figures. Mm. Who eventually matured into just outright fascists? Yeah. Oh, no, Gavin McGuinness makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them do. Baked Alaska doesn't. Baked Alaska just makes me laugh. Yeah. They wouldn't actually, they did have a bit about Baked Alaska. They said um, he's uh, past it <laughs> because all he's in, he's not interested in the cause anymore. He's just <laughs> interested in making funny YouTube videos and magnifying his like YouTube numbers. I did see the best, <laughs> the best Twitter exchange with um, Baked Alaska. Yeah. With. Um, him saying, why is it that no one ever talks about how the KKK was founded by Democrats? They never teach that in schools. And someone said, they actually do teach that in they schools. They literally teach and that And then his schools. response to that was, well, I was homeschooled and I can tell you that I was definitely not talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no shit. Yeah, they just had a very specific agenda which kind of was driven from the top. I think that's the, the thing mm. you take away from this, the fact that if you feel like there's if somebody puts themselves out there on Twitter and gets a load of like trolls like alt right trolls or whatever yeah it's like they are just on the internet they're not they're not as much in real life as they like to think yeah well you've seen like you know? the marches that they've done yeah and like what's if Richard Spencer did another one not long ago he but tried to do it yeah yeah but they're never that many mm. um, but it is super grim it is just the the working together. With yeah, yeah, with liberal journalists mm. who you know I don't like liberal journalists, but I didn't think that they I didn't think they were out and out all cavorting with Nazis. <laughs> I thought that was the one thing that you could say for them. It was so weird because you assume that journalists have back channels with each other as part of just yeah. a like industry thing. Yeah, but the way that they were they were kind of like trying to like weaponize Milo on people that they for some reason didn't like. Yeah, that they actually had no. They'd had no interaction with them. Yeah, but they had an no particular that they didn't beef. like, and then they like set Milo on them. Yeah, it's really weird. And I mean, he he did become that kind of 
attack dog. I mean, he had a kind of like a small, a kind of small following mm. that tried to look like him and like yeah. sound like him and use his talking points. And we saw people like that with um, Katie Hopkins turning up in a wedding dress at conservative conference, and um, there was a bunch of young conservative gay men like proposing to her. It's so <laughs> weird. Luckily, we're we're stuck to that bit where they're. I hope that this is the like the desperate end of Katie Hopkins' career, where she's fucking havershaming. She's yeah, she's she's havershaming hard, havershaming, mm. and she she's slowly being pushed out, and so the only option is to degrade herself in public <laughs> in more and more extreme ways to try and get those precious precious clicks and eyeballs. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, but, um, yeah the. The whole thing is, it just rubs me the wrong way, and mm. then, and there was that combined with the John Harris, mm. and then today Helen Lewis again, talking about oh she what, doesn't understand what centrist means yeah a <laughs> word that she's used herself to describe herself numerous times over the last yeah. couple of years, um, and it's just like well no you're all in the same club this is why people don't trust you this literally this is what goes back to why Brexit happened. Mm. Because no one trusts you, because you're all the same. Mm. And you all work together. Like I sent you a thing today of um, two of the candidates for Labour leader in Scotland. Mm. And their bios on the form were exactly the same. It's the dying days of that form of liberalism. Yeah, hopefully. Like, there's a, uh, there was a good... Uh, like, Joe Kennedy on Twitter um, had a good point, though. Don't think that just because you're making fun of centrists and saying they believe... I don't actually think that they believe in nothing. I think there's a very specific category of beliefs that you can assign to centrists. Mm. And the analysis of it should be that it's dying. It's not that they believe in nothing or they all believe in the same thing. It's that they have a particular mode of thinking and operating that they're desperate to defend because it's dying. Yeah. It's on the way out, and they have no idea how to operate in a, a wider field of of engagement with mm. politics and with the world in general. Mm. They have no idea how to cope with this, so they're falling back on the the John Harris like, well, we should an- analyze and keep doing the same kind of analysis that kept the government honest after the Iraq War. <laughs> well, yeah, and also because that was another thing. It was like yesterday you see Gabby Hinslev for the Guardian, yeah, saying yeah. like. In all my lifetime, I've never seen the government... It's like, I've never seen the government fuck up. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, I've seen the government um, emerge... Like, uh, perform the impossible. Perform the impossible and get and uh, get us out of uh, unnecessary wars. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Oh, no, Let's find the actual, uh, the actual thing I sent to you earlier. It said, uh, What stopped me panicking re-Brexit till now is having repeatedly seen politicians pull off near-impossible... In the pull off near impossible in the past, e.g., the Northern Ireland peace process. I mean, if you're my age, you've rarely seen a UK government utterly fail to prevent an avoidable disaster, war, run on the banks, etc. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> but they see that's but that's their mode. Their yeah. mode is that everything is fine and everything is categorically not fine yeah. in our society from the bottom, absolutely to, from you know people and food banks at the bottom to raving elite pedos mm. at the top. Everything that was dismissed as a conspiracy theory or as somehow beyond the pale of mm. their thought is actually coming true and there's actual evidence which they prize over everything. Yeah. So they have to learn a new way. And some of them will. You watch, some of them will come come round to it and they will start operating in a different way. Yeah. But they're flailing against it now because there's a particular ecosystem they exist in and it's, it's fucking dying off. In the same way... To round off the Milo Milo mm. chat, the alt right has lost a lot of its steam because the effort required to maintain the belief that a significant number of your fellow human beings should have no right to exist mm. or have no right to take any kind of role in your society other than a subservient one or an oppressed one, that's really difficult to sustain. Mm. And so the only way they can do it 
is by recruiting more passive people, which is why they go the media route. They went the Steve Bannon Breitbart route in the first place mm. because it's really easy to read about it and then repeat that talking point. Yeah. But when it comes to actually getting people out to change it, they can't do that. So they yeah. have to go in at the top. And that's why Steve Bannon's in Trump's campaign. Yeah. You know, they have they have no other option. Never, mm. you can't fully believe in the. It's not entirely untrue, but the myth of fascism as a, a, a mass mm. a mass movement. It was a class movement. It had particular mm. class interests and struck at a particular time of emergency. But they came to power by being at the top, yeah. not from below. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that cheery note. Yeah. So that's Please. that's it for this week. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Or you can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo. You can follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And that's it for episode 32. We're done for this week. Cheers. Bye.